European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 38, Issue 44, Focus Issue on Hypertension, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Controversies in Hypertension Management Target Blood Pressure, Renal Nerve Ablation, ARNIs, and NSAIDs Blood pressure has already been assumed to be essential for the perfusion of the organs of our body by William Harvey in his seminal work, De Motu Cordis. It took another 200 years, however, until the Reverend Stephen Hales, for the first time, measured it in a conscious horse, an experiment that today would not pass any ethical review board. Although at the turn of the 20th century, Riva Rochi and later Korotkov provided a simple way to measure blood pressure in humans, it had little clinical implication at that point. Until the 50s, during the last century, high blood pressure was considered essential in the proper sense of the word, i.e. a normal counter-regulation of the body to assure proper perfusion in damaged organs. It was only after the Second World War that we realised that high blood pressure was actually associated with myocardial infarction, stroke and premature death. It took another two decades until antihypertensive therapy became an accepted approach to prevent these events. Over the next three decades, the recommended target levels of blood pressure in hypertensive patients changed continuously, as did age as a factor for decision-making. In this focus issue on hypertension, the most recent developments inspired by the publication of the SPRINT trial are discussed in two position papers taking completely opposite standpoints. Following an introduction by myself to set the stage, Sfera A. Kjeldsen from the Oslo University Hospital Ullevaal in Oslo, Norway, provides his opinion in A Critical Review of the Systolic Blood Pressure Intervention Trial. SPRINT. He reminds us that SPRINT was stopped early because of a statistically significant reduction in cardiovascular morbidity and mortality by lowering systolic blood pressure to below 120 millimeters of mercury, as is common practice today. He questions the clinical relevance and criticizes the unconventional method used to measure blood pressure in this trial. Therefore, more than 100 years after Riva Rochi, the discussion on the right way to measure blood pressure continues. He claims further that a target blood pressure in regular practice below 120 millimeters of mercury might be harmful, particularly in the elderly and those with high entry blood pressure. Vasilios Papadimetriou from Washington, D.C. in the USA, on the other hand, counters these arguments with a large body of evidence and supports the notion that this trial will change practice and guidelines in the near future in this opinion piece entitled SPRINT is a Landmark Trial. Results should be adopted in clinical practice. Another controversy in hypertension management is the use and value of renal nerve ablation. While the unblinded Simplicity HTN2 trial was positive, the sham-controlled Simplicity HTN3 was neutral, although a sub-analysis showed that with more than 12 ablations, a similar blood pressure-lowering effect was obtained. 
Later, the French Debner-HTN trial, although not sham-controlled, raised new hope. Prague 15 was again a bit disappointing. At this year's ESC in Barcelona, the spiral HTN off-med trial in untreated hypertensives was presented and published. In their viewpoint, renal denovation, will the phoenix raise from the ashes, Sripal Bangalore and Franz H. Messerly from the New York University School of Medicine in the USA put the results into perspective and compared them to the blood pressure lowering effects of commonly used antihypertensive drugs. This issue continues with another current opinion entitled Proceedings from the Second European Clinical Consensus Conference for Device-Based Therapies for Hypertension, State-of-the-Art and Considerations for the Future by Felix Mahfoud and colleagues from the University Hospital Saarland in Homburg, Germany. The authors remind us that a substantial proportion of hypertensives remain inadequately controlled, and this has prompted the development of interventional approaches. Several devices have been developed and tested. Even though, based on strong pathophysiological rationale, catheter-based renal denovation has not conclusively demonstrated its value for the treatment of resistant hypertension, and its place in the therapeutic armament remains uncertain. Other device-based approaches under investigation include the creation of a central iliac anteriovenous anastomosis with a coupler, stimulation of the carotid sinus, ablation of the carotid body, and stent-based expansion of the carotid bulb. The expert group reviews the current evidence and its implications for future clinical trials. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, both non-selective and selective cyclooxygenase 2, or COX-2 inhibitors, are among the most widely prescribed drugs, but have been associated with increased blood pressure and adverse cardiovascular events. In their fast-track, differential blood pressure effects of ibuprofen, naproxen, and celecoxib in patients with arthritis, the precision ABPM, prospective randomized evaluation of celecoxib integrated safety versus ibuprofen or naproxen ambulatory blood pressure measurement, trial. Frank Rischitzka and colleagues from the University Heart Center Zurich in Switzerland report the results of Precision ABPM, a sub-study of the large Precision trial which was conducted at 60 sites to determine blood pressure effects of the selective COX-2 inhibitor celecoxib versus the non-selective non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs naproxen and ibuprofen. In this double-blind, randomized, multi-center, non-inferiority cardiovascular safety trial, 444 patients, mainly with osteoarthritis, and to a lesser extent with rheumatoid arthritis, and evidence of or at increased risk for coronary artery disease, received either celecoxib 100 to 200 mg BID, ibuprofen 600 to 800 mg TID, or naproxen 375 to 500 mg bid in a 1 to 1 to 1 allocation. After four months, changes in blood pressure were assessed using 24-hour ambulatory blood pressure monitoring. 
Celecoxib reduced the mean 24-hour systolic blood pressure by minus 0.3 millimeters of mercury, while ibuprofen and naproxen increased it by 3.7 and 1.6 millimeters of mercury, respectively. These changes resulted in a difference of 3.9 millimeters of mercury between celecoxib and ibuprofen, and 1.8 millimeters of mercury between celecoxib and naproxen, and of 2.1 millimeters of mercury between naproxen and ibuprofen. The percentage of patients who developed hypertension was 23.2% for ibuprofen, 19.0% for naproxen, but only 10.3% for celecoxib. The authors conclude the non-selective non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug ibuprofen compared with the selective COX-2 inhibitor celecoxib was associated with a significant increase of systolic blood pressure and a higher incidence of new onset hypertension. These clinically relevant findings are further discussed in a comprehensive editorial by William S. Weintraub from the Christiana Care Health Services in Newark, Delaware, USA. The value of 24-hour blood pressure recording used in the previous study is evaluated in a research paper, Office Blood Pressure or Ambulatory Blood Pressure for the Prediction of Cardiovascular Events by Christian Torp Peterson and colleagues from the Aalborg University and Aalborg University Hospital in Denmark. They sought to determine the added value of 24 hours ambulatory blood pressure relative to office blood pressure and nighttime ambulatory blood pressure relative to daytime ambulatory blood pressure for 10-year person-specific absolute risks of fatal and non-fatal cardiovascular events in a cohort of 7,927 individuals. No differences in predicted risks were observed when comparing office blood pressure and ambulatory blood pressure. Comparing daytime and nighttime blood pressure the median difference in 10-year risks was also minimal for cardiovascular mortality and events. Thus, 10-year predictions obtained from ambulatory blood pressure were similar to those derived from office blood pressure. Nighttime blood pressure did not improve 10-year predictions obtained by daytime measurements. As such, in healthy individuals, office blood pressure provides sufficient prognostic accuracy of cardiovascular risks. These practically relevant findings are put into context in a balanced editorial by Thierry Guillebert from Ghent University in Belgium. An important target organ damage of high blood pressure is progressive aortic stiffening, left ventricular hypertrophy, and heart failure. Thus, the reversibility of these changes in cardiovascular function and structure is an important therapeutic aim. Although established antihypertensive agents reverse this to some extent, the novel angiotensin receptor slash neprilysin inhibitors, or ARNIs, that showed impressive effects in heart failure have not been tested yet. In their clinical research article, the effect of secubitril slash valsartan compared to Olmazartan on cardiovascular remodeling in subjects with essential hypertension, the results of a randomized double-blind active-controlled study, Roland E. Schmieder and colleagues from the Friedrich Alexander Universität Erlangen-Nürnberg in Germany 
investigated the effects of LCZ696, a dual-action angiotensin receptor blocker and neprilysin inhibitor compared to olmosartan on arterial stiffness and left ventricular remodeling in a randomized multicenter double-blind trial involving 114 hypertensives with elevated pulse pressure. After 12 weeks, the left ventricular mass index decreased to a greater extent with secubitril-slash-valzartan compared to olmosartan. These differences remained significant after adjustment for systolic blood pressure. There were no significant differences in local distensibility changes from baseline to 12 or 52 weeks between the two groups. However, there was a large reduction in central pulse pressure with secubitril-slash-valzartan to olmazartan. Thus, it appears that the greater reductions in left ventricular mass might provide valuable advantages of a combined angiotensin receptor and neprilysin antagonism compared to angiotensin receptor blockade alone. These provocative findings are further discussed in an editorial by Luis M. Ruilopa from Madrid, Spain. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.